In the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. I just want to give a shout out before the show starts to all the sponsors, all the local businesses that have been coming through to help us out and get this thing started. Thank you to you guys. Total Truck Accessory Center. Go check them out at 7700 Homer Drive. They're your one-stop shop for canopies, spray-in bed liners, LED light bars, and more. Total Truck. TheTreehouseAK.com. Located at 341 Boniface Parkway. They're your all-in-one cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bartender today what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. Lawn Pro AK, your year-round professional property maintenance. Cutting lawns but not cutting quality. Hit them up at lawnproak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58. Handcrafted Alaskan-made cider. They also got a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Check them out, doubleshovelcider.com. Anchortown Dogs, located across from the 4th Avenue Theater in front of the historical building. Look for the blue and gold umbrella. Get yourself a legit reindeer dog. Tailored Restoration, helping Alaskans restore their dreams. Voted number one in the state since 1972. Water restoration, fire restoration, remodeling, cleaning, anything that you have to do with your home, inside and outside, give those guys a call or check out tailoredrestoration.com. Oh, yeah. He was on it this time. The patented? Yeah. Terrible call. Yeah, I just realized that mine was already open. I was like, oh, man, I missed it. <laughs> I got, got you, Brandon. <laughs> little pregame, Caribou? Yeah. How are we Jack. doing, Jackie? How are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm kind of bummed because uh, these crimson and mints are almost gone. A couple more days, and we'll have to wait for a whole new uh, harvest freeze pressing, and uh, yeah, it'll be a sad day. You don't stash a little bit for uh, a dark day? People know where to go to get them. You know, my little cider cave at home is uh, just pillaged. I think too many people have the code to my house or something. <laughs> <laughs> or I just bring too many here for you guys. I'm not yeah, I think we've put a good yeah, debt in that. We've been, we're good for an eight-pack of a podcast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's why last. I'm in this, you know. <laughs> yeah. Are these actually on the shelf? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have a few more cases left. I think we have six cases left over at the cidery. Out okay. Of, um, man, I think we did 140 this time cases. Wow. So. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to have to go load up then now that I know that the supply is getting low. Till 8 p.m. tonight. Uh, on average, how long do you yeah, keep a special edition? Like the Forest Bitter you just put out? Like how, how long would you say... It stays around. Uh, it just depends what we're making. Um, so, like, so this crimson and mint's really special because of the rhubarb. We got eight hundred pounds of rhubarb from um, from the Kenai, and uh, you know, when you have Alaska product like that, sometimes it's hard to get big volume. So, usually, we can a whole empty pallets worth of cans, and this one we only had enough rhubarb for half of a pallet. So, it was, you know, half the time is normal, maybe. Yeah, um, but. You know, we'd made a deal with the farmer and uh, things are going well. So he's going to try to get us enough this summer to do a whole, a whole pallet. Okay. And you kind of gauged it, whereas this is really 
popular and next time we'll double or triple the uh, the amount we make if we can yeah if you can yeah or like the christmas crayon i mean we wanted to make one pallet of that and that was just super popular and gone in six days and everyone's stoked and uh, it'll be until next year until we make it again yeah mm. that's cool a lot of seasonal yeah. different changes and different flavors that come out at different times yeah what's cool about this crimson mint too is not only is a rhubarb growing here but this next batch we make in the summer it'll probably be in the fall um the mint that goes into it will make in our farm. We'll grow in it in our farm. Mm. So oh, it'll be 100% oh, okay. Alaska after that. Oh, nice. So the next really batch will cool. be a little extra special. Yeah. Extra local. Yeah. yeah. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm actually really glad to be here today. Yeah, had a um, day? Had a day. Been having a week. Um, it's funny, we were talking about, before we started recording, how I've never looked forward to Wednesdays so much. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, it's Wednesday already. Right on. Yeah, no, game, it's game like, on, as uh, Jack would say. Yeah. Oh, it's only Wednesday <laughs> now. It's yes. Yep. It's Wednesday. Yep. Go drink ciders. Drink ciders. <laughs> that's right. I know. And I was like, oh, I should call Daniel and see if I need to swing by the store and grab something. I walk in, you got two cases. You're unloading into the mini fridge. I'm like, eh, he, he's got it. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not gonna dry up. Oh, that beer fridge is always full. Have you guys been playing in these Bluebird days the last couple of days? Oh man, I've been really trying to get all the uh, business stuff together for the opening of the stand and mm. all that. Which mm -hmm. by the time this comes out, we'll already be rolling. But it's a lot of little things to get together, you know. So a lot of Costco runs and restaurant supply runs and bank runs and permitting and licenses and municipal hurdles and federal hurdles and yeah yeah and i wish i could right be now. outside outside yeah. a little bit more no, I feel yeah go for it oh i was just saying how i spent the last couple of days getting my gear back in shape from that trip okay. last weekend we talked about that earlier and everything was just so trashed and frozen and it went from like, you know, as you, you pack up to go out, everything's just intricately organized and you know where everything is. And then when you go home, it just gets crammed into the back of the truck. So I've been doing damage control and getting everything cleaned up and finally got those little burbot cleaned up. Going to fry them up tonight. Nice. How are you going to so, do it? I'm just going to do a, a beer batter style and fry them. I didn't get that much meat off of two yeah. small burbot. I, I never really cleaned one before. So good old fashioned YouTube, right? <laughs> what did Carl say? Did you did you check YouTube? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just YouTube it, like my brother um, says. <clears throat> I, I I did a good job cleaning them. They're a lot easier than I thought. You kind of skin them out. You make a cut over the top, and you just peel the whole. The skin just peels right off the body, and then you kind of fillet the. It's like a back strap. Yeah. Off and the one fish was pretty small, so it was like. I'll just practice this one, and the other one was probably enough for a couple people to have, like a calamari style appetizer. Yeah, like a standard little plate of calamari you get at a restaurant. That's about what I've got for meat. Yeah. So, um, got it all cleaned up and ready to cook tonight. Do you nice. have to worry about like gray meat, kind of like a halibut, since they're bottom fish? Yeah, there wasn't really anything like that. Um, all the stuff was kind of on the belly. And there is belly meat that you can cut off, but, and I'm sure there's probably going to be some fishermen that are some burbot pros that would tell you, oh man, you can get all this meat off of them. And I don't quite know that, but um, 
I think if you get a big one, there's some good belly meat you can get off. And I'm thinking that stuff's in there because there was some like fleshy red gray meat that just didn't look real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was and it was just mush. I mean, it was like it didn't really. I tried carving it off, but it was just smashing when I was using the knife, and I had a really sharp knife. So you didn't give it a little lick. Uh, no, test it. no, man. Things are so <laughs> slimy and stinking up the house and. But I think it's going to fry up good. I soaked them in salt water and got them cleaned up. So, yeah, I haven't been out playing. I've been doing that. But it's spring's here, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's been breaking up. you driving down the road. The big puddles are thawing out. You can just, oh, it's coming. It's coming quick. It is. You can feel that itch. Oh, yeah. Time to get out. Yeah, it's time to go look for some bears here pretty quick. Well, we got a, a special one today for you. We actually brought in one of our good friends, uh, Mr. CJ, from uh, the local legend Charles Weed family, Upper Hillside extraordinaire, hockey defenseman, backhand provocator. Uh, don't make me blush. <laughs> <laughs> Came by it. for the tour and uh, got invited on, so... Awesome yeah, CJ was wanting guys. to come check out the spot, and we we just threw him in the chair and put a mic in front of his face. They're like, all right, well, you're here, and we're going to call this guy. So His face got a little red, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be too, uh, too much of a rookie here. Yeah. But, the, uh, but the studio is beautiful, man. You guys did a great job. Thank you. And you've done the podcast so far have been awesome. Yeah. It's an honor to be on. We appreciate you. And as you have some more of those ciders, I'm sure you'll loosen up and we'll get some of that real CJ oh, yeah. out. <laughs> it's nice to have you, dude. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. 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 Hopefully hopefully it won't be anything too bad. We we need to have like a little wall of fame for our guests and it, it oh, yeah. may be appropriate to have like their biggest accomplishments and stuff. And I would say like one of the things I've I would say for CJ is I've seen the most backhanders knocking off the water ball on a uh, in a hockey net from CJ. Yeah. I do have a nice backhand. Oh, it's pretty incredible. It's, yeah. uh, people are just like jumping out of the way. Yeah, you don't see many people move out of the way out of a, for a backhand shot. Oh, just coming in hot? Just coming in like a laser. So I'm not a hockey guy, so a backhand is like... So instead of shooting your regular right? forehand way, you're, you're shooting oh, basically okay. backwards. Oh, wow. And you fire them in to the point where guys get out of the way? It's because I use a reverse curve stick. Oh, okay. <laughs> when he starts to load up, people just, even on the bench, are like, oh, it's coming up. And there's the water bottle. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you get to know those players that got like a hard shot. Right. But, you know, and get when, out of their when way. they tee it up, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've jumped over a lot of pucks when Tangy's shooting from the point. I think he's, you know, by now oh, a few times. Usually you got to duck him. <laughs> yeah, headhunter. Like the goal is about six feet below that. Dang it. It's like I really like my teeth, and I don't want to lose them. So, oh, we got some teeth oh, stories. Oh yeah, we got some stories. Mine are finally getting a little tight. Remember, I took that stick. Oh yeah. Oh, the butt of a stick. Yeah, I like, got gotcha. you. This guy was trying to lift, and he missed my stick and got my teeth. Mm. And then Carlo got his both teeth. I mean, it's just that's just normal activity. Yeah. It's yeah. par for the course. But now we got masks on, so it protects your teeth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Multi-use mask. Actually, but now they're saying, if 
everyone's vaccinated, we don't have to have the mask. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? That's, that's the, the actually uh, ASD put out a little thing. And I know a lot of other companies, I was talking to Galen, and he was saying that uh, the oil companies were doing some of that too, where everyone in, in your office is vac fully vaccinated, um, that you guys can decide to not wear the mask. Well, they're never going to figure out if everyone's fully vaccinated on the bank. Well, that's when you just get the tattoo. Yeah. Your vax. Get the mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the windows. <laughs> I just carry that card around with me everywhere. Yeah, I got it in my wallet. Yeah. Someday they're not going to let you on planes without that. Yeah, I think oh, that's, that's for sure. It's headed yeah. out that way, or you can't do, you can't go to a hockey game or something unless you have it. Yeah. Yeah. They'll just scan your eyes. Shit. <laughs> 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 Jeez. But I bet it will go on like your license, your driver's license, or something oh, like that another makes sense. like, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. You're, you're clear or whatever. Um, well, today we are going to make a phone call. Uh, we have another Alaskan podcaster. His name is Jeff Lund with the Mediocre Alaskan Podcast. You can find his podcast on Apple and Spotify. I do not believe he does a video version yet. Um, he is a teacher, a high school teacher from Ketchikan. And he's also an outdoor journalist for the Juno Empire. Big Southeast guy. Uh, a lot of fishing, a lot of hunting. Um, you know, to be a high school uh, teacher anywhere, you gotta have, uh, you get my respect for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not an easy task to keep up the energy with those high school kids. And I could imagine it's probably tenfold in a small town like mm -hmm. Ketchikan mm -hmm. where, you know, everyone knows you and you're not avoiding, you know, Mr. Lund or <clears throat> yeah. we'll have to see if that's the name he goes by. Yeah. Um, Mr. Jeff or Mr. Lund. I don't know. I go by Mr. Daniel at the school because no one can say my last name. That's my reason. <laughs> but, um, actually, you know, thinking about it, I had a fifth grade teacher named Mrs. Lund. There's a connection there. I doubt it. Yeah. Um, so we're going to try something kind of new. We're going to give him a call here, and uh, he knows we're calling, so hopefully he picks up here and we can uh, have a little combo with uh, Mr. Jeff Lund from the Mediocre Alaska podcast and see what he's got going on and uh, chat it up with another podcaster. While we have a second, I'm going to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors, Tailored Restoration, 24-hour Emergency services helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold damage, post-emergency cleaning, remodeling, and any and all the aftermath, including burst pipes, overflowing toilets, downed trees, fires, pet accidents, and vandalism. Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you any day, time of day or night. Give them a call or hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. It looks like he's up to 191 podcasts now. Yeah, he's been in the game for a while. He's, he's 2017, uh, I think, right? I, I think was when he started. 2017. If I remember right. <laughs> Hello, Jeff. How goes it? How's it going? Daniel here, Jack, and as well with Brandon and our other buddy CJ. 
Excellent. How you guys doing? Life's good, man. How are you doing down there? Good, good. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, thanks for taking our call, Jeff. This is Brandon. Hey, Jeff. This is CJ. Nice to talk to you. Good to meet you guys. Yeah. Can you hear us all right on your end over there? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Am I coming through okay? Yeah, you're coming. Oh, man, loud and clear. Yeah, you're coming to, You're coming yep. through real, real good. Um, so we yep. were just chatting you up a little bit before we made the call, and we were looking at uh, all your uh, podcast uh, numbers you've done, how many things you've done, and your, your teacher life. And I was telling them uh, I got to give a lot of respect to any high school teacher in the world, um, but especially someone that's teaching in a small place like Ketchikan where you can't really avoid your students. And you're probably really ingrained with uh, with the families there and the community and all that stuff. My number one question was, do the kids call you Mr. Jeff or Mr. Lund? Or do you have an alias they call you? Uh, they call me Lund or they call me uh, Mr. Lund. Um, I grew up in Klawak, and so we only had 14 kids in my graduating class. And so growing up, I was used to that small, intimate sort of feel. And then, you know, I my parents were teachers and so they were friends with my teachers and so it was a little different being on the other end of it and catch a can um but i just you know that's that's one of those things that makes the community really rich when you do have that contact and i was never worried about you know keeping my private life super private because i don't know like <laughs> what are you trying to hide right I mean, yeah. say, is there such a, a thing in town, it? yeah so. <laughs> Yeah. Now, so, it, it, at the school you teach at, is the high school you're teaching a specific class, or is it more like a village where you're cl you're teaching several different uh, academics, English, math, or different courses? Um, where I grew up in Kowak, it was a small high school. We had 65 in the uh, high school, but Ketchikan is actually the smallest 4A school in the state, so we have 490-some kids. Um, so it's a full-on full-on setup. I have uh, one period of, of freshman English. I teach science fiction literature. Uh, I teach journalism and I teach uh, adventure and survival lit. So I got uh, mm. got a chance to really teach some cool classes and I'm not strung about all through the curriculum. Wow, that sounds yeah. well, way more fun it. than what I'm doing. <laughs> 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 they got me in a kindergarten class right now because all the COVID stuff. So it's like oh, all hands on deck. Oh yeah, and it's oh, just man. oh man, it's just a it's a grind in there. There's only 15 of them, but it's more like feels like 40, you know. And just oh, me and the right. other teacher in there, and it's it's a it's a handful. So I'm a little jelly of the high school kids. I substituted for a kindergarten or a PE when I first moved back in 2013. I was uh, substitute teaching in uh, in Kowak, and I had um, an a, a elementary PE class in these kindergartners, and I set out the dot where the kids were supposed to go. They're trained, they have the routine, they go to their dot, they go through the routine. And I had the dot switched. Oh. Like, and so the kid was like, well, well, I, 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 the dot's in the wrong place. I'm like, well, what color is your dot? Red. I'm like, well, it's just on the other side. Just go to the other side. The sort of logic doesn't help for little kids. Well, I had kids crying just because I had the dots in the wrong direction. And it was, <laughs> it was a mess. They're everywhere. It, it's crazy. I'll take, I'll take independent, uh, high school kids over over the little ones uh, ten times out of ten. Yeah, they're still they're still kind of babies in kindergarten. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, you think your kid's a pretty big kid. They're going to school, and then you go into a kindergarten class. 
to to do you know a parental duty of for a party or something or a chaperone a field trip and it's like wow they're all still like they're basically just big toddlers still there's yeah. a lot of emotions going on and then yeah. there's a bunch of kids that may have done preschool and then there's a bunch of kids mm-hmm. that may have not mm-hmm. and so some of them are relearning this like social communication thing that you know for the first time yeah, and even yeah. one more level to that, there's a lot of students that are monolingual that don't know English yet. And mm-hmm. so that just adds like another layer of fear, you sure. know, or intimidation for some of these kids that come in and like they can not only can they not communicate, you know, they're away from their mom for the first time. Yeah. You know, or yeah. grandma or whoever. What yeah. what kind of diversity do they have in the school down there, Jeff? Uh, not nearly as much as up there. Uh, I know East Anchorage is the most diverse high school in the United States just because you have so many different groups of people. It's, a, I think, what, 1,800 kids in the high school. T-Birds. Uh, up at East. Uh, <laughs> T-Birds. Is that where you went? Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There we go. Way to give them thunder yeah. there. <laughs> We've been yeah. trying to steal this for a while here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Ketchikan, it's, it's, it's got native uh, population. It's got a Filipino population and, of course, uh, Caucasian. Um, but, uh, you know, in some of these smaller communities, you know, you just you just kind of feel that common ground. Like, there are times where you do feel separate, but, you know, in those smaller communities, you really do have to band together. You get through the winter together, and you're not, you're not on the road systems. You're not going everywhere else, and so it's really consolidated. So um, it feels pretty unified, you know, and if we want to look at the differences, we can. Um, um, so I don't know what's the right metaphor. Is it supposed to be a, is it a melting pot? Is it a salad bowl? Whatever it is, but it's, uh, it's not as diverse as up there. Um, just with, we got three main groups, uh, Filipino, uh, native, and then, uh, Caucasian. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty, pretty good community. Filipinos, huh? I didn't know that. that that's... I'm guessing maybe like canneries and fishing, uh, brought the Filipino yeah. folks up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, the same with, with a lot of different communities. If you have that first generation that comes over and then, you know, send money home or whatever it is and, hey, this is a good spot. And then people go to there. And um, so there's, there's a, a pretty rich Filipino community, which is, which is cool. You know, anytime that you have a demographic and you have a supportive community within the community, it makes it nice too. You don't have that outcast sort of or outlier small group. So that's nice. Yeah. Lots of punset, lots of lumpia. Lots of good food. Oh. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So good. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Lund is eating good down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wanted to bring up uh, some of your writing with the Juno Empire and maybe get a little history on your start with them and uh, how you got involved writing some of these amazing outdoor uh, journals and stories that you're doing with these guys. Uh, well, I went to college for journalism at the University of Arizona and then out of college, actually my, sec- my second semester of senior year, I decided I didn't want to like follow around a, a high school basketball team, you know, for my job making, you know, $18,000 a year for a small local paper. Um, I ended up getting a teaching job in California, so I was there and then I started writing an outdoor column for the paper in California. And then when I moved up to, to Alaska, back up to Alaska, um, I just said, hey, I'm calling this down there. I'd like to keep my column going if that's cool. So uh, I was with the Capital City Weekly for the first two years, which was owned by the Juno Empire, and so I just transitioned over. So 
I've been doing a, an outdoors column since 2008 and then for the Juno Empire since 2015 or 16. Now is 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 this something they're they're expecting you to come out with uh, an article weekly, monthly? What's the uh, what's the expectation that they have for you? Every other week, my uh, my column runs. I'd gladly do uh, one per week, but uh, you know, with just the way things are with with budgets and newspapers and things, you know, I'm just happy that uh, I've survived cuts that that, that papers have had to do. Um, so yeah, twice uh, twice a month do that. So I try to pick up other gigs. Uh, I've been for Alaska Magazine a couple times, and um, the Drake is the fly fishing magazine. So some of the other ones, it's kind of nice to freelance on the side because I'm putting the, the journalism degree to work, but it's on my terms. So it doesn't really feel like a job. It's like that side side hustle, and it's still fun. So, what is there an article that you wrote, or you know, that you went to go research that you kind of went into? thinking, ah, you know, this might be interesting, but just blew your mind? Um, I've done some invest, I did some investigative stuff when I was in college, but I found that I just kind of like, more like storytelling. Um, I know there's more of a market for that really investigative journalism, but I just kind of like telling the human side of things. Um, so I've, I've just kind of liked how people fit into communities. And I did an article for Alaska magazine about one of our local um, artists here in Ketchikan. He's a seventh generation uh, Ketchikan person. He's like seven generations in the same place. You just don't see that very often, especially like in Alaska, because seven generations back is, you know, well before statehood. Oh yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So just those sort of individual like people and what, how, this person fits into the community and how their families fit into the community. Those things really interest me. Um, because I've, I've always just kind of like telling the story that I'm there for. You know, if, if you go somewhere else, that's not really your story. And there's like a, a multi-million dollar industry for people coming up here and telling Alaska stories, but it's different when you're actually living here. So the stuff that I'm most interested in and most fascinated with are just the people who actually live here the year round. Uh, you know, and what, what are you doing in October? You know, what's your life like in, in December when everybody else is gone? You know, everyone else has gone home and sharing old photos from Alaska and, and you're really living it. So I really like that, that story part rather than investigating numbers and, and things like that. So maybe that makes me lazy. Maybe that makes me romantic or whatever, but, but uh, I like those fun stories. Yeah, it sounds like you can get a real connection with people with those types of stories, and it sounds like you're really passionate about those th- types of things. Um, something you did bring up there, and, and it just sparked my curiosity, was uh, obviously Ketchikan is, is a big tourism town in the summertime with the cruise ships and fishing. And what is what is the fluctuation of the population from the main season to wintertime and, and then what are the local in addition to that question what are the locals doing in the wintertime we have about twelve thousand year-round residents in ketchikan and vicinity and we were expecting a million people off the cruise ships last year so that was such a huge dramatic hit um and a lot of the businesses are are locally owned um so that was a huge hit last summer uh, to not have those those people you know you do have seasonal people that come up but a lot of the businesses are local businesses uh, they run the charters locally they have um, the pilots uh, are local um, so that was, that was pretty rough to, to go through that um, but it, it, it was it was it was 
strangely nice last May on some of those days when your families who were the charter captains didn't have to take charters out, same thing in like June. Mm. And so they were able to kind of take the family out on their nice charter boat. So if they had mm. enough saved up where they were going to be able to make it through and they started opening up a little bit so they could make, they could recover some of the money. But some people weren't complaining super loud. Like, hey, we're going to make it through this. And it was really nice to have June with my family and mm-hmm. not waking up at three in the morning to go out, you know, and, and do the, the, the charter hustle. And so, uh, and the weather was pretty good. So people were going out and they were anchoring in inlets and, you know, shrimping and crabbing and fishing and camping and bonfires on the beach. And um, kind of reminded them maybe of what things would have been like if they weren't, weren't charter captains, but, you know, you need that. You got to have that input or that, that income. And a lot of people depend greatly on that. So not having that was difficult, but, you know, it was a refresher about what it's like to live in such a non-populated area without the tourists. It, mm-hmm. And it was yeah, that, that's, you know, I had the same similar feeling with my avatars and business too. And it, it seemed like it gave me a chance to actually go and do some more exploring with my family, whereas I wouldn't necessarily have the time in years past when you're just so busy in that short window with the tourism. So I could totally feel how, how those, those guides and those boat people could actually take some time to actually enjoy you know, their surroundings versus always showing it to others. You can actually sit back and enjoy it yourself with your family. Yeah, yeah. they'll be looking back on that. That's a really special, unique time for sure. It, it's almost spoiled me. I almost <laughs> wanted yeah, to stay. Yeah, you know, you do and you don't because you need the you need that annual income because it's a business and costs money to run. Like the charter guys in Ketchikan all over. I mean, it ain't cheap to run those boats. Yeah, it ain't cheap to own them, maintenance them, all of it. I mean, all the businesses in downtown Anchorage, you know, they all suffered. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. on the flip side, it was a really nice summer. Hey Jeff, yeah. what's the what's the projection that you feel, or what's kind of being talked about in the Ketchikan area for this summer? We know that there are a lot of boats that aren't coming to Alaska. Um, a lot of the same. Do you see? some of your local folks making it work or getting through? Um, how are people feeling about things down there with their current situation? A lot of the local small operation charter types um, are almost fully booked. People are mm. able to either get vaccinated or come up. And so I got, nice. I got some buddies who, you know, run just, you know, two or three boats, a couple of rental boats and then charter and they're booked for the whole summer, which is great. So nice. I think this year will be a good, recovery year for them. Um, but the stores are going to, are, are going to suffer. There are the stores mm. that of course are opened up or owned by the cruise ships to take all their jewels down to the Caribbean during the winter. So those will probably still be shut down or they will be shut down. Uh, and some of the other local businesses will, will probably suffer. Uh, some of the food places, locals have, have really tried to do the best they can to order out, uh, go in when they can and try to keep those around. Cause you know, that's summer busyness. So that's when you make a lot of money. Um, but yeah, people are figuring out ways to make it work. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, mm. if you're a business person, you can't just roll over and, um, it's, it's providing an opportunity for people to be really creative. Um, and it's good to see, but you know, as a, as a, as a high school English teacher, I don't see a lot. And sometimes I can be optimistic and say, Oh, that's working for this person. But I don't always see 
you know, the full spectrum of it. And as a city, we are going to be in some trouble when it comes to funding because you can't have just that loss of tourism for two years. And, you know, yeah. so, so there's going to be some tough cuts that are coming, but um, it's, it's, it's nice to see the resiliency of some people too. It kind of gives you hope going forward. Yeah. And we all need that. We are uh, looking at your Instagram page, um, your mediocre Alaskan one, and it seems like you've been hitting this podcast for quite a while. What was the inspiration starting that, starting the uh, the uh, mediocre Alaskan podcast? My buddy Danny, uh, he's an entrepreneur down in California. He owns a fitness lifestyle brand called Caffeine and Kilos. They like to work out and they like to drink coffee. So it's like, no, it's obvious we're going to make a it's going to be a coffee brand. We're going to put on weightlifting events. And so whenever I have like ideas for things, I'm like, Hey dude, you know, what, what should I do? Like, oh, you should start a, start a blog. All right. You should start a podcast. All right. So 2017, I started the podcast and, um, Bailey, it just kind of goes back to that, that idea that, you know, Alaska is such a huge moneymaker. So many people are coming up and making money off Alaska. They come up, you know, and they, they make their content up here, which is awesome. It's great to see people who, you know, are on the dream hunt, you know, or the hunt of a lifetime and they've made it work. And just to see that fascination in their eyes and in the, in the stuff that they uh, record and then read it and the stuff that they write, but also, you know, Alaskans have those stories too. And why not have an Alaskan tell that Alaska story? Um, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into any one specific thing. I didn't want to talk just about fishing or just just hunting. Um, I didn't want to talk about politics. I just wanted to, hey, this is what's going on. Um, I didn't want to, I just wanted to be able to talk about whatever I want. I wanted that freedom, you know, whatever yeah. I want it to be, whoever I want to have on, um, and just go with it. So it's kind of, it's been nice, fun, free, doesn't feel like a job, you know, no, uh, no sponsorships, you know, most of the stuff I just did either on Zencaster when that was free or, or Zoom because Zoom's, you know, not very expensive, very low, uh, low quality equipment, but I'm going to upgrade a little bit. Um, yeah, it's just kind of fun to tell the stories and have some people on and whoever I felt like. And, and then there you go. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that's kind of the same idea that, that we had. Um, mm-hmm. there's just so many stories and, and so many cool things that are going on all around us and and we feel that some of these things need to be promoted and and give people uh an avenue if you will of telling their stories and their lifestyle and cultures and activities um we say a lot of times here that we you know one person just you just can't do all the activities that are going on up here and so if we can shine a little bit of light on some of these other activities that we might not get to uh or other people that are better at the things that we try to do mm-hmm. Um, then that's that should be the goal, and I think it's really cool that uh, you're down in Southeast. Uh, is there any? I, I did a little research, but I didn't hear of any other really podcasts that are going on from down Southeast. Is there anyone that you could put us on to? Are we missing anybody? Um, Tonga Stock. They started last year. Um, they're in their late teens, as far as the episodes go. They're uh, they're out of Metlakatla. Um, they've been talking about some hunting. They've been up at, um, uh, they did the Fognac elk and they talked about that. And, um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's some good guys there. And that one of the guys moved back to Colorado. Um, but yeah, there's some good guys, but yeah, it's, it's, there, there aren't a whole lot of, there's, there's Tyler Friel up in, 
in Fairbanks has been doing Tundra Talk for 115 or so episodes. Um, there's just not a whole lot, you know, and there's a lot of good people, like you said, a lot of good people's stories. And also like some of those takeaways, right? What's the purpose of that? And mm-hmm. it's not just stories. It's also, Oh dude, that's good. You know, what's that, what's that angle? What's that bit of information? What's that takeaway? What's that, you know, tweetable or, or Facebook quotable thing that comes from the podcast that, um, makes it kind of rich. And so, you know, there's people who put forth that content that's, that's, that's fun. And that's kind of what I aim to do as well. Yeah. It's, it seems like it's a, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot of room for many more people that want to come in and, mm-hmm. and start things like this. Yeah. Cause it's such a vast area and so much going on. You just can't cover it all. And I mean, we're not as in tune to everything that's going on in Southeast or even what's going on up there in the Tanana Valley and Fairbanks. And, and it's really cool to have some people that are in these actual areas, living there, fishing there, hunting there, doing all these crazy cool things in, in their part of the state. And we can hear what they got going on and see pictures yeah. and videos and stuff like that. It's just, I mean, being from Anchorage, we are... We have room to go up some places, but we're limited to southeast. We can't go to southeast. We can't really go up too much past Fairbanks. And so it's just cool to have people from all different parts of the state just hitting us with the information and all these cool things. That was one of the things I liked about what you guys are doing is that you guys don't have the feel that you're trying to, oh, we are the Alaska people. And we're going to be the you know biggest, baddest podcast. Like you're reaching out to other people and you're allowing other people to tell the story, which is cool. Alaska can really, you know, for a lot of people, you have that kind of arrogant sort of attitude. I'm going to be the best podcaster. I, I was on a TV show and so I'm the man. Um, and you just you kind of isolate yourself, you know? And if, I don't know if people really, I, I, I there's a market for that. I'm sure people do want to see and, and hear that, but. Uh, that's one thing I liked about you guys is it's like, hey, let's use what we have to allow other people to tell the story. And it's not a competition. Rather than, you know, take our slice of the pie, let's make the pie bigger and let's share these yep. stories and make it better. That's what I like. Yeah, Alaska is a super humbling place. And the more you play out here and the more you talk to other people that have experienced it, the the more you're humbled by it. And it it you really, for me, I get the most out of it sitting down and having these talks with people that, either love what I love, but have seen it from a different perspective or brand new things. You know, these people are out, you know, we don't know a ton about the Southeast and they're out doing awesome stuff there. Or these people that are out kayaking around circumnavigating Kodiak or, you know, all these awesome opportunities doing rad stuff. And we, we just, you really need to hear it from them to understand it and then, mm-hmm. and get that energy yeah, and I, and I think the same uh, outlook that you had, Jeff, is we didn't really want to pigeonhole ourselves into a corner or paint ourselves into a corner where we're only uh, known for hunting or known for fishing or known for any exact specific activity, whereas we want to really broaden um, the topics and not really paint ourselves in a way where we can't discuss, you know, blueberry jam making if we want to one day. <laughs> You know, yeah. right. We definitely should discuss that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Actually, yeah. Write that down. Very <laughs> yeah. jam. No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, as you know, Jeff, um, being a Southeast guy and it's, um, <clears throat> it's like Alaska is almost kind of zoned. It's, 
enormous and huge, but it's like zoned mm. in those areas where you got, you know, you got your Fairbanks mid and northern crews, you got your southeast crew, you got your you got your south central crew like us. You know, we got our folks out in Bethel and Dillingham and and out there. And everybody has a unique perspective and angle on what their Alaskan lifestyle is. Yeah. And none of us are ever going to do all of it. Like we're, you know, I will say never say never, but realistically in a lifetime in Alaska, it's going to be pretty damn hard to see everything and do everything and experience it all. Yeah. And the beauty of this is that we can reach out to everybody and listen to their side of it and get a little piece of all of it. Hopefully somewhere down the line and however many years of conversations and podcasts and stuff. And, um, that's, what's really beautiful about this is that there's endless stories and things to share experiences. And, um, that's just another cool angle of the uniqueness of Alaska. And, um, like Jeff said, like, we're not sitting here trying to, oh, we're going to be the best podcast in the state. Yeah. I mean, we want to definitely be successful and, and get out there and, and bring awareness to this, but we're here to support everybody else. Yep. And mm-hmm. we hope that everybody supports us. And yeah. really that's kind of what Alaska is. We support yeah. each other here. We're isolated. We're not by the rest of the country. And all we have is each other. And that's, you know, ultimately the main goal is to support each other and hope that everybody's successful. And with that, we will all be successful. We'll, yeah. we'll make it happen. Yeah. yeah. There's a real fascination in the world. I would say with Alaska no and, 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 and any international travel, when someone says where you're from, I, I don't say America. I say Alaska. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and just, just naturally, I don't, it doesn't cross my mind. I don't think about it. And I just am so proud of where I'm from. And it just seems to me, and, and people almost real don't even associate Alaska with the United States. It's almost like it's mm-hmm. their own like fantasy Jurassic Park land that everyone wants to see or have heard about it and wants to go at some point. It's, oh, yeah. own, it's own frontier. Well, mm-hmm. People's eyes light up, you know, they want to ask you yeah. questions. They mm-hmm. want to tell you what they know about Alaska. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's so different than other areas because you can have, like, your identity isn't glued into, like, your political affiliation. Like, mm-hmm. you can be, you can have, your number one thing is, like, a job, and then you're kayaking, and you're, you're fat tire biking, you're doing all these other things. And then if you get around to it, you know, you, you may be talking politics. It's not like your pure identity and I am this. And so my daily life is about going and trying to win stuff on social media. I got something else to do, right? There's a little bit more light. So I'm going to be outside. I'm going for a walk or a hike or a something. And so it's so much more healthy. And we had that opportunity during COVID, you know, when the lockdown stuff was happening, like you can still, like, still outside, like there's still you have mountains in the background. You, you you can go on walks and things like that. So it's much more healthier. And I think that's totally right. That I think Alaskans will probably say I'm from Alaska rather than I'm an American. It's like I'm Alaskan, which is American, but you know, that different sort of context. And I think people really like that. Jeff, I had a question about your teaching. Um, are you able to incorporate your, your journalism and your podcasting and your love of the outdoors into your curriculum or into uh, your, your classes, the way you teach? 
Um, I, I take what I know about journalism and kind of that, you know, how to write. You can, you can either have a journalism class in which you learn about journalism or you can actually learn how to do journalism. And so we write articles and um, I try to get the kids published if possible. If it's really good, maybe we'll send it to the Catch Again Daily News and they've been good about publishing some of the kids' and stuff. Um, but like as far as the out- adventure outdoor lit, that might be my favorite class just because, you know, we're reading about Christmas candles in the bus and we're reading about uh, Timothy Treadwell and, and, and the bears. Um, but, you know, it's just so nice to be able to, like the kids have outdoor experience. And so we're talking about really interesting things and we're reading stuff that the kids are interested in because it's Alaska and it's outdoors and we're just tricking them in to do so much English, you know, and so much writing, but it's, it's such a great way to approach education for these high school kids being able to incorporate, you know, me, uh, I've, I've done some writing. I don't tell the kids, I don't say, Hey, read my article. Yeah. You know, you better go on and you better like, like I'm, I'm really too <laughs> uh, bothered bothers me. You mean your book is um, not an assignment? <laughs> oh man. I, there's, there's so the much mediocre great. Alaskan. I, I named it the mediocre Alaskan on purpose. It wasn't like uh, the biggest badass Alaskan. So, <laughs> okay. That's where that came <laughs> from. Yeah, I, I like, I like your, your podcast name, man. It's like just telling it real. Like, <laughs> Well, and it, and it, yeah. you gave yourself a, a wide berth to approach many different topics yeah. uh, with yeah. that name, which is greatly appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear, just so I'm not like rubbing my antlers against everybody else. Like I'm going to, I'm going to tell like it is. You get a lot of that in the outdoor industry where it's just, I've never made a mistake. I only shoot, you know, 380 <laughs> bulls or, you know, like. <laughs> Hey man, like that's got to be tough to keep up because I know there's a day you're going to go out there and you're not going to catch a 50 pound king. So what do you do then? What do you post? So yeah, last year's. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a lot of uh, lesser uh, experiences when it comes to big animals and big fish than there are the big fish and the big animals. So yeah, mm-hmm. you got to um, have the not the non the none upper, not the one upper kind of mentality. The none upper. Yeah, <laughs> the none upper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. I ate mine. What'd you do with yours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, on. Well, uh, I'm going to throw a quick pause in here, Jeff, and uh, we're going to give a shout-out to one of our big-time sponsors, the uh, Treehouse AK, uh, your one-stop shop dispensary, located at 341 Boniface Parkway. Be sure to ask the uh, bud tender about their deal of the day because, <clears throat> honestly, there's always something good on deck. Uh, And guys, listen, this is where the culture lives. At the Treehouse, their dedication to servicing consumers has been developed through a lifetime of involvement in the cannabis culture. They're committed to providing the highest quality products at whatever value your budget affords, while always maintaining the deep-rooted principles that have carried them this far. Uh, Their focus is on relationships over transactions and you can always depend on them to treat you with respect you deserve. Uh, hit them up at treehouseak.com. Uh, and for the record, you must be 21 years of age to enter the store. Please keep that in mind. That's uh, the treehouseak.com. All right. Uh, Jeff, I want to ask you about a miserable paradise mm. and uh, the process on, on what you go through when uh, – you decide that you're going to do something a bit longer than uh, a, a story for the Empire or a article for the Drake. 
Um, do you do do you take a while to research it, or are you just kind of going offhand? What's what's the thought process there when when you decide to do something a little longer? My goal for that book was just to write five thousand words a month and just kind of get a what it's like to live in Ketchikan for the entire year. And I figured it would be about, you know, winter shoveling snow and then winter steelhead and then grouse hunting and then spring bear hunting and then scouting for deer and then, and you know, king salmon fish. I just figured it would just be that. And just kind of a fun read where you can um, um, just enjoy it. Just sit down, read chapter by chapter, you know, pick it up later. You know, just, just a fun, entertaining type read. Um, and then, of course, you know, COVID happens, a whole bunch of other stuff happens. So as I'm writing my 5,000 words per month, it ends up being like, okay, well, you know, 4,000 words are about your lifestyle, but then it's now kind of messed up. And like, what are, what are we, what are we doing here? What's, what's going on in, in March and then April? And so it's kind of a time capsule. And I didn't, when I was editing, I didn't look back and change any of that stuff. I was like, this is, you know, that's kind of how I felt during that point. So it was, it was, it wasn't cool that the pandemic happened. But it was interesting that I was able to add that element to that because the year that I chose to write about ended up being, you know, not a normal year. Um, so this is a unique project. I hadn't done anything like that before. Nothing, none of the stuff has ever been published. So it wasn't like a, I just glued all my columns together. It was just kind of a look at life last year in Ketchikan and, you know, happened to do some crazy stuff going on. Yeah, that's pretty incredible that you got that opportunity to write this. Um, so what's the status? When when can we read it? Uh, it's available right now for pre-order on Amazon, uh, the Kindle version, and then the uh, paperback will be out on April 8th. So um, you can order that on, on Amazon as well. So, and then yeah, when, when, you uh, pl- it's, it's ready. when you plan to do an audio audible version, you're going to... Read, read it yourself uh, or I, I had a buddy who was like, dude, you should get uh, Fran Drescher to read it. And I thought, is she even a license? And then, <laughs> and then I was like, well, what about uh, James Earl Jones? Like that, uh, if you're going to go for someone, might as well get that or Morgan Freeman, you know, but they're probably, so yeah, that shows how serious I am about doing the reading part. Um, I think it'll, it'll just be the, the Kindle version and the paperback for now and probably forever, but, uh, yeah. So, um, you can get on Amazon right now and you can pre-order the Kindle version or you can, uh, order the, uh, the paperback on, um, April 8th. And is the paperback going to be in any stores where someone can pick it up or is it mostly all online? Um, mostly online for now. I haven't, um, I, I I'm going to reach out once, uh, I've been kind of getting the last little editing stuff finished and all that and then i'll look at um there's a there'll be a shop here though that'll have it in here in ketchikan but um you know for the marketing thing just having it on amazon you get on the list and so it just gets a lot more that free advertising um mm. so i'm trying to do like no paid advertising because you you buy into a lot of that stuff but you know what it might give you clicks or it might give you looks but is it actually resulting in any sort of anything else you know and so yeah. Um, I've done that before with some of the podcasts where I, you know, promote it on Instagram or Facebook and it's getting a whole bunch of views, but it's not really yielding anything. And so I want to be very careful and I'm not just throwing away all my, all the money I make off this into ads that don't really work. So, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to try to hustle and do the do the quiet stuff, or not the do the free stuff as loudly as possible, and be kind of quiet on the uh, on the paid stuff. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. So the direct to consumer thing doesn't work better for you here. It's just the the shipping that ends up mm-hmm. killing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the shipping part, and then um, the wholesale price that. You know, if, if I get the copies and I wholesale somewhere else, you know, that's, that's cutting into it. Um, but I definitely do want to have some for the local local uh, bookstore here just because, you know, it's the local bookstore. And I, I would definitely like that to have some here. Um, but, you know, you got to look at that stuff. And, I'm, you know, you guys making your T-shirts and stuff. And you guys got to make your decisions about, um, you know, all those things, too. And, like, what's going to work? And you guys have that awesome podcast studio. <laughs> that thing is sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, we but you guys to got to wait. Yeah, you guys went full in on this. This is you didn't. Uh, this is both both feet above the head. I love it. It's full yeah. on work. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys had to make that calculated sort of. All right, we're going to do this, but you know how how are we going to how are we going to pay this off? Does this make business sense? And as you know, some of you guys are, are business owners. You guys, you know, it's a calculated calculated thing. So, and um, yeah. Honestly, we're going to be here talking if people listen or not. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is what we're going to do every Wednesday. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've been home teaching from home for a year. Oh, it's time to get out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I wanted to ask you, um, as you approach the release of your book, um, how many copies do you have made right out of the gate? Like, what do you is there like a projection? Is there something like a recommendation or do you just order a certain amount? Um, I'm going through Amazon, Prub- Amazon publishing. So they're, they do pretty much print on demand, which is nice. Mm-hmm. I did a self, the self published thing. Like you have to front, you know, three to four grand for a thousand copies. Mm-hmm. And then you only make, you know, 50% royalties. I'm like, dude, that's, that's crazy. And if you wait around for a, the turnaround on some of the publishers is up to a year. I had a book that I that I wanted to have published, and I sent the manuscript in. They said, "Oh, we'll get back to you in six months." Oh gosh! And so I waited six months, and they said no. And then the other one was a year. You can't. It, I can't be waiting a year for all these projects. No so I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do it myself here. Um, I, I don't have to wait. I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm gonna do. I have to do all the work myself. Um, but you know, like shoot, I have a little bit of a following, you know, and if, if I get down to some marketing stuff and I'm not at the mercy of some editor who's going to tell me to change stuff or, you know, make me wait a year and another six months to get, you know, all that stuff done just to make 20%. So, again, it's not all about the money, but I just like that freedom, you know, and I'm doing it on my terms, I'm doing it my way, um, and on my my time frame, you know, it's, um, it's April 2021, it's not April 2024, looking back four years ago, it's something that finally is hitting the, hitting the market. So, um, yeah, we're, we're at pretty much zero right now. And then I got pre-orders on Kindle, which is pretty sweet. Uh, I don't think it takes much to make you go up the like bestseller list or the new release books, but it was pretty it was crazy to see like my book on there. I'm like, dude, I, it's not even really out yet. It's just pre yeah. like, yeah. yeah. What is that? <laughs> it's got to feel um, great. Yeah, yeah. Um, weird. I'm, it, yeah, I'm. I, I have I have imposter syndrome, and so it's just like, what what are you doing there, man? Why why are you? What are you? What's going on here? But, um, 
yeah, so uh, short story long, um, there are zero copies. They'll be printed on demand once people make the orders. So, uh, And I got a couple author proofs. They look pretty cool. I like the, the matte finish to it. I like the size of it. And I've been able to edit off that. So it's, it's got a nice look, and it, it looks official. It's a real book, and it's nice. Yeah, it's a beautiful cover. I like your photo you chose there. Is there a story behind that? Uh, that was when I was waiting for ducks that weren't uh, coming in. And uh, so I had free time to take a photo because nothing was happening <laughs> while I was duck hunting. One of those miserable days. Yeah. It, exactly. In paradise. Just being mediocre. <laughs> yep. yep. Well, to be specific, um, the, the title of the book is A Miserable Paradise, Life in Southeast Alaska by Jeff Lund. Um, and you can find it on Kindle and you can pre-order it, like Jeff says. And it's, you know, looks like it's fairly priced as well. I'll definitely mm -hmm. be, be purchasing oh, it. Big time. And, and Jeff, if you ever do print some copies, um, I am good friends with a lot of the uh, tour shop owners downtown. And I know that there's actually one or a couple of specific stores that like to house every Alaska book they can find. Um, oh, excellent. And so if you ever get some copies, let me know and I can connect you uh, with those ladies over there. They're always Great. looking for more books to, to throw on their shelves for uh and it's kind of a known spot where you can go get some uh, Alaska tales and books, you know, from Excellent. authors up here. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'll actually uh, be, I was planning on ordering between 50 and a hundred just to kind of have on hand. Uh, but I'll be up there for my honeymoon in June. So maybe we can stop by and I can, right on. I, I don't think my, my wife at that point will bother too much if we make a book sale stop. Cause one of the proceeds will go to some sort of adventure that we'll do outside together. So, um, I, don't, I don't think that would be a problem. No. Well, congratulations yeah. on, on that as well. That congrats, sounds, Jeff. That sounds exciting. Thanks. Yeah. Big year so far. Yeah. Absolutely. Did that uh, get postponed? Um, were you supposed to honeymoon last year, but did COVID postpone, or was it planned for? No, uh, I want. We got engaged last year, <laughs> and it was just. The way things were going, I was like, I don't want to postpone. I don't want to be engaged for next year. I don't want to wait there another year to be engaged. And so I engaged on a uh, on a deer hunt when she was up here in uh, August. Um, got to the top of the mountain. I shot, uh, shot the deer and we finished cutting it up and got it in the game bags. Got our packs all secured. And she lifted her binoculars to look across for some goats. And I was like, all right, do it now. Got on one knee and proposed. She said yes. And we hiked off the mountain. Wow. Oh, that's an awesome story. That's, that's Alaska. Alaska. Shot yeah. the deer and shot <laughs> the shot. And she said Alaska. yes. Yep. Yep. Do it. Yeah. Alaska move right there. Now that was not mediocre, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Kingpin. Well, I, well, that was, was some boss thinking, shit right there, bud. <laughs> it was kind of entrapment, I guess, when I think about it, because what was she going to say? I was like, well, if you say no, then how are you going to get back to town? Cause we took a boat for two hours. <laughs> that would have been a real weird, uh, very awkward. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, well, can you still help uh, pack down some deer? And then I'll take the rest. Of it. So that's that's then, why you, you gotta, you gotta know beforehand, right? You gotta have a pretty, yeah, pretty good idea yeah. that, uh, you don't want to bring it on her like that. So. And then you don't give her half the, half the deer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go right to the airport. Yeah, so. uh, I want to get into some of the activities that you that you do down there. I, I mean, you have a ton of steelhead pictures and hunting pictures, and I, and I know that you came up and uh, did that forty mile hunt 
up over there uh, recently, the winter. But I want to I want to come back to that. I want to actually go to what you're doing in the southeast. Like, what's some really cool spots you're hitting, and uh, maybe some that you can maybe share if anyone's actually going to go down there. Some things that uh, if we decide to go down there, what's some cool mm-hmm. things that we can get into down there? Um, the black-tailed deer is kind of what a lot of people come down here for. Um, for the around it, that's kind of the big ticket item down here. There are some people that do uh, some bear hunting, um, but just you go to any mountain, get up in the alpine, and you, know, you have a pretty good chance of, of getting out some deer, which is nice. We don't have nearly the amount of territory above the snow line as you guys have. You know, you have some of those peaks that are you know five, six, seven thousand feet, um, whereas I'm assuming I get Kenai Peninsula area, some of those like five, six thousand. Yeah, yeah, that's on the taller end, but yeah, no, they they do stretch up that yeah. tall. So we're looking more at you know forty five hundred or so, some of the biggest ones, and so um, a lot of the the black tailed deer, as soon as you pop out into the alpine at you know twenty five hundred feet, then uh, then you're in that really lush, nice alpine type carpet. It's really fun to hunt the deer in that, and you're not walking up that crazy shale that you see on the on the uh, doll sheep hunt. I kind of laughed when I was walking your doll sheep. Uh, video and you guys went up the wrong drainage right off the bat oh, like, oh man i'm gonna like these guys because that's fun to it i mean it wasn't fun with you i'm i'm the type of person who would do that and that's a that's a legitimately a laughing thing and, 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 I, and I think it was planned and it just happened yeah, yeah. And it's important to show that we wanted to show something that's like this is really things that happen like we're not going to edit it down to just show the best coolest parts like we want to show people the real deal yeah. you know miserable we've we messed up let's be honest about it and show people that this is you know it's not easy and you make mistakes and we had to literally pay for it Yep. 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 We went, yeah, we went full mediocre on that one, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. That sounds like a, it'd be a decent t-shirt. Uh, full oh. mediocre. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that um, Just with a spike got, fork. Some pretty, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. exactly. Mediocre. It's I not like that. just what's for breakfast like anymore. That. Yeah, I like that. Uh, we got some mountain goat opportunities, but you know, because Southeast is a whole bunch of islands, you know, you can't drive out the road further. Um, you know, we don't have, we have some opportunities for, for four wheelers. If you take a boat somewhere else, you have a landing craft or there's a dock and you can get on some old logging roads with four wheelers. But for the most part, you're just handicapped by where you can get on the limited road system or where you can take a boat with the mode of transportation to get on logging roads to then get up into the Alpine. So we're pretty limited, um, that way, but it just, it makes it kind of a fun trip. You know, you, you get on the boat and then you're, you know, within 15 or so minutes, you're away from everything. You cut some shrimp pots or crab pots and then you, mm-hmm. you, know, you head up the mountain. And a lot of the trips are, you know, one or two, three days. You know, I think some people go a little bit longer, but for the most part, you get up to the mountain, it's either there or it's not, and you got to come back down. So those eight, nine, ten day trips that you guys are doing for um, doll sheep, you know, it's not really part of the program down here. Um, so you it's don't, kind of intimidating to think about up there. You don't find people that go and do an eight or nine tenner, ten deer for, for deer? There are some. You don't necessarily need to. I mean, we have a pretty good population mm. of deer, and then you don't have a whole, a whole lot of hunting pressure, so... I think the first question a lot of people would ask 
you're like, yeah, I was out there for eight days. Like, dude, what took so long? Right? Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> even if you're being super selective, it should be, you know, a day or two that, you know, before you see something that's pretty nice, but yeah, what, what took, what took you so long? And we can have some pretty soft in the weather too, where it's mm-hmm. just, there's no chance it's going to clear. It just kind of sits in there and like for all of October, it's, you know, it can just rain the whole time. There's, you know, you're, you're stuck. So we've had some wet Septembers and with some wet uh, August too, where it's just not going to be soft in. There's no point in being up there. So you might as well come back the next weekend or something. But Do you get a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say outside other Alaskans from other parts of the state coming down there to do a lot of hunts or is it mostly the local boys that are going out there? Mostly the locals. Um, I'm trying to think of when I saw anybody, I got a buddy that came down from Fairbanks and that's kind of a, he wanted to come down and do uh blacktail. And so I went up there to do the caribou. Um, I feel like I came out really good on that, on that deal. I mean, you can run a really nice deer, blacktail, or a deer, black bear, salmon program, and just you know, shrimp and, and crab, and just run that, and that's a pretty stinking good life. But you know, there's a lot up in the interior um, to do like that caribou hunt and stuff. So I think we have a lot more people from southeast that go up there to do the big ticket items mm-hmm. than people who are up there come down here. What, what would you say is the uh, the vibe or the feeling of locals if? let's say there was an influx of, of people coming down to go hunt uh, your guys' grounds down there? Um, I, I think we have a little bit of that. The Unit 2, Prince of Wales Island, has a really good um, black-tailed deer population, but it's, you know the wolf population is, is kind of taking care of some of the deer, and there's been a lot more hunting pressure, and you get a lot of people from down south that come up to Unit 2. So there's kind of a unit two versus down south and kind of a unit two versus unit one catch a can is in unit one and so people you know you take the ferry over to prince of wales and it's the third largest island in the united states and there's a ton of logging roads to get all over the place and so um there's kind of that hey you know we live on the island here you know you're from down south and you're from catch a can and so there's um kind of that, hey, we live here you know we should have first crack at these deer and that's understandable you know if, if I work a little bit harder, I can get my deer over here and catch a can, but you know, it's kind of nice to go back home and, and do that. So, um, it's mostly kind of a, Hey, you're a down South outsider. And then secondarily, Oh, you're a catch a can person and you're, and you're getting that, but you know, hunting rivalries are, you know, you're going to happen. You're going to have that happen no matter where you go for the most part. Yeah. I think there's a slight like Anchorage Fairbanks thing. That, that, that oh, definitely. Yeah. You get that, and then you also have like the you know the toke versus everyone else, or the you know whatever the yeah. Besda people, and all those you know people that are actually locals, seeing mm-hmm. everyone as outsiders. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. territorial. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you get that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's we're again. like all friends. We're all on the same side when it comes to like down south versus or of the people who are trying to like, you know, not allow any sort of wolf trapping or any sort of predator control or that sort of stuff. That's like the only time we're on the same team when we are at home in front of our computers or things like that. When we get out there, man, we're like, we are, we're pretty bad to each other when it comes to the hunting, but you know, I want to go out there and I want to get, I want to get my stuff. You know, I live there for a reason. I suffer through it. And so it's like, well, I, I kind of get that, but you know, like we could probably be a little bit more, 
hospitable to each other, but I don't know. Yeah, we get, nature, a little, I guess. we get a little competitive out there. I I, I mm-hmm. personally do not feel very happy when I've hiked 60 miles in somewhere and I see another group of hunters. Yeah. No matter where they're from. <laughs> it's a real yeah. bummer. It's a real bummer as soon as that you is. see that. It's yeah, just it like is. the one rule of sheep owning is you never see anyone else. And as soon as you, you yeah. know, you could not see sheep for a week and you're in heaven still, you know. I mean, it, it could have been a better trip. Yeah. As soon as you see one yeah. person, it just ruins it. It does. Yes. Yeah. Deflates you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jeff, was that yeah. was that caribou hunt you did uh, just recently? Um, was that your first uh, real winter style up north hunt? Yeah, I, I wanted the al- real Alaska experience. We were talking about you know the different areas of Alaska, and like that's that's legit. That's some real Alaska stuff. And it was it was negative thirty on the day that we went out. And I was like, oh man this is what you wanted like it's so much better like it sucks right now but man it's gonna make this if it was like 37 and unseasonably warm then i would i would have felt cheated but i'll tell you that it was it was cold (laughs) and um i was worried about weird things like um had my hand warmers Mm -hmm. um going to the point where like my hands were kind of sweaty i thought okay well you know if if we see some caribou and i gotta jump off the, the snow machine and i gotta I have wet hands from the sweat night. Are they going to freeze my gun? Like, you know, what's all these stupid questions about, you know, it's, it's never that cold down here. It's like, is that something I really should worry about or not? But, um, didn't freeze my hands, which was, which was good. That's good. Um, yeah. 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 We've done a fair amount of, uh, winter caribou hunts and we've been through all those ordeals where you'll, you know, you'll, you'll catch one by surprise and you come up and take a breath in the wrong area and just freeze up the whole scope. And, th- and that's it, you know. The, yeah, <laughs> hopefully, no. your buddy's ready to go because you can't see a thing. Six shot lake, yeah, I mean, man. Same for a reason. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Eleven shot lake. We call it. I thought it was six. Shot six lake. lake. <laughs> I think as the years go by, they keep adding more shots to the lake. <laughs> Good. Well, we were just talking about people being very territorial, but we had gone. We drove a hundred miles out of Fairbanks, and then we stopped at four different pullouts, and there was people with the snow machines everywhere. And it was like four o'clock and we actually headed back to Fairbanks and we saw a guy to pull out. There's like his truck and three other trucks and they all had a, a caribou on their sled. And we kind of slowed down and, and started talking to the guy and the guy said, uh, you got a coffee percolator? I'm like, no, but we got a pot for water. And so he said, all right, the caribou were three miles that way. <laughs> and so it was like, perfect. Perfect. And then we, uh, we went there. We got two caribou and we were coming out it was you know right after sunset but there was still light and like they actually stuck around until they had returned the pot to the back of my buddy's truck but they'd stuck around to make sure that we got out because they knew it was cold and you're just like wow mm-hmm. oh that's cool i mean it's, it's stinking cold man and you got your stuff and you told us where it was they could have just absolutely taken off but you know that sort of for every story about you know someone corking you uh, on a hunt or you know doing something ridiculous there's always stories about those people too who are just like doing the right thing and don't always get um that story told or people don't always maybe see what they do to kind of help you out but that was that was very very cool um and i'll, I'll remember that forever just like okay i got when can i have the opportunity to do something like that for someone else because that's the right way to hunt and that's the type of, of hunter that you know we should probably be a little bit more often when possible. Yeah. And, and 
And I have found that uh, caribou hunting is uniquely unselfish, I would say. Like when, I mean, we go caribou hunting every year. That's one of our staples in my household. And, you know, I've been taking my son since he was like four or five years old caribou hunting. And he's been on several of those really cold winter hunts. And, and I found that people are willing to share where the caribou are. And it's unique to that species. Like you're not, no one else is telling you where the sheep are, where the moose are, where the deer are, or even where the steelhead are. It's for mm-hmm. some reason caribou is. It's like a they realize it's almost a subsistence yearly family thing, and people are really willing to help you out and tell you where they're at because they're always moving, yeah. so they're never in the same spot. Yeah, you never really have a caribou spot. You kind of have a bunch of spots, and it's where's the herd at call your buddies and they're like okay go in this one yeah Did yeah that was, that was a really cool hunt and i got i got that impression that it was because there's so many animals and it's the winter hunt like there's no need to be making people suffer through finding them themselves like let's just help people out you know it's the winter mm-hmm. all the people doing this hunt are alaskans it's the resident registration so yeah helpful yeah that's great and, and i was noticing that you were hyped on getting some caribou sausage going did you did you throw all that stuff in a cooler and take it back with you, or did you get some process here, or what'd you do with all that meat? I uh, put it in a cooler and brought it back, and then I absolutely, I mean, you'll just be ashamed. Just be ashamed, because you own a couple hot dog places, right? Like, oh, man. It's, Watch your words I just now, Jeff. the heck out of it, man. I know. It, was, <laughs> it, I, it, it, it looked so good, man. And I was like, oh, it's going to be so good, but I just cooked the heck out of it. If there was like a... If you could have, I should have done a YouTube video, just watched it, or so you could watch it, just see what I did, just so you could scream at, at whatever I did to dry it out or whatever. And it was, um, it was a good first attempt, and I'm going to eat every single bit that I uh, put in the sausage form, but I overcooked it a little bit. I had problems with like the casing and then how you get it up to 165 without just cooking the heck out of it. Yeah. Mm. So it wasn't burnt, but it was just so dry. Yeah, it's really um, lean. The meat, yeah, right? it's so lean. You don't got a lot of room for error. Yeah, and I think part of it did I did I read or hear that you you use you couldn't find the pork suet, so you use bacon. Was that you that I was? That yeah. I okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I wonder if that had something to mm. let it dry out a little faster than yeah. it probably normally would have with just the straight fat. Yeah. I, it tasted it tasted pretty good, but it was just that like man, if this wasn't dry, this would be real legit. So. I gave myself somewhere to go, you know, mediocre hunting, mediocre cooking, just follow that. <laughs> follow the path. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No that's expectation. Right. <laughs> no expectation. Well, what's cool is you're doing it yourself, though, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's and that's only one way to learn is you got to just trial and error mm-hmm. and make it happen yep. and, and mix it up on the next one and 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 go from there. I mean, I've I've had plenty of bad Mm. experiences mm. and and learning of of how to cook things and make things and you still eat it but uh you learn quickly yeah. sometimes you eat it and not the rest of them right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all yeah. week I'm having this. yeah that's well, funny. I, I probably i probably look really selfish because i'm not sharing much i'm like well, i'm kind of embarrassed to share you know i think i would give you some, i would you give you sauces but you'd yeah, like they'd be like, "Oh, he gave me the burnt stuff for the dry stuff." 
like the best. That was the best one, man. But not real I good. only give out the mediocre stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My fiance, well, we got two mule deer in Wyoming in October, and she made some bratwurst and like some, um, I don't know if it was like like some sort of Asian seasoned sausage thing, and she crushed it. And so it's so good. So all I got to do is just, you know, like I can be the provider and she can be the, because she's so good at it. I don't know what it was, but why, why her stuff was so good. Maybe it's because it was the bratwurst and the mule deer versus the, the leanness of the caribou. And I try to do sausage or whatever, and she, she, she crushed it. So. Um, well, looks like you found that. a good one then. Good oh, time. it's great. It just keeps getting better. My God. Good job. Good job, Jeff. It's <laughs> the one point in which I was not mediocre. Somehow it uh, ended up being perfect. So. Right on. That's great. Any uh, any big summer plans other than the uh, the honeymoon that you got going on? Any any adventures or other uh, big hunts or fishing trips you you got planned coming up soon? Uh, well, my fiance is she's getting a PhD at the University of Wyoming, so we're kind of doing a long distance thing right now, which is too mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be down there for at least a month of summer, and it's been kind of fun to go down there and, and backpack in the mountains down there because, I mean, Alaska is absolutely beautiful, but, you know, there are parts of down south, too, that are just unbelievable. The Wind River Range in Wyoming is absolutely spectacular, and they got cutthroat trout in those lakes, so hiking way back in there and doing that stuff is a lot of fun. Um, and then scouting for, for elk or mule deer. So I'll be doing that in June, part of July, and then come back and then, been scouting out a spot with a buddy to, to go up and get a registration goat, hopefully. And if not, nice. then uh, uh, start uh, start working on the deer. Nice. If you do get a goat, we got a mean goat enchilada recipe that we're going to throw up on oh, the website wow. here soon. You definitely mm-hmm. got to try that. Um, yeah. We've been hosting a, uh, a game meet night party. I've been doing it at my house for about the last five years or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a great opportunity to invite buddies over to let them try some of your recipes and uh, have some maybe things you haven't tried before. Might be something you want to look into with some of your buddies down there and get uh, get one of those nights going. It's always a good time and, and get some new recipes good, yeah. and flavors and stuff like that. Yeah, we yeah, share like around that. those recipes and it's just like it's awesome because there's this pro- – plethora of new recipes that you bring home to your house and you know you kind of get stuck in the routine and you get off that and suddenly your family's just boom whoop whoop we got new stuff Mm -hmm. and this is delicious and you're like no this is the same stuff we just cook it different (laughs) yeah 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 i had a buddy that's uh made salmon wonton wonton and i was like dude you can do that that's so good but it didn't even occur to me you know you grow up here and you have salmon you know three or four different ways for your entire life and then all of a sudden, dude, wontons—that's so good. That is so, good. I've been trying to perfect, or I've had several chefs and cooks trying to perfect the salmon dog. Mm. I haven't mm. found it yet. Where I just think that that would be awesome if you could do a really legit like salmon sausage of some sort. And it just—I don't know. Every time they come at me with a new one, it's just—it's uh, mm. not good enough to yeah, go that'd on the menu. That'd be a tough one. Not yeah. a lot to get of fish, Thompson on that fish sausages. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. That's why I was thinking it'd be cool and original. And I was thinking serve it with some like uh, some cream cheese and maybe some sort of apricot jam or something. Mm. You know, like a Thai chili sauce or Wasabi. something. What about like a salmon Ooh. pie? You know, they make a lot of fish pies. 
Yeah, I don't know what? if I can throw out a pie at the hot dog stand. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking. I'm just spitballing. Oh, for maybe for the game eat night. Yeah. There you go. Oh, we'll get, get you on that. You CJ, you're on. You got yourself an assignment there, bud. <laughs> don't. I think, I think I smoked all my salmon. I'll to, maybe I'll make a smoked salmon. A smoked salmon pie. Ooh, uh, there it is. Ooh, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I know we're getting yeah. somewhere now. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get Jeff off the phone, we need to talk about some steelhead <laughs> fishing. Yes. So, yeah. hey, Jeff, uh, you know, no secret spots or anything, but, uh, you know, we all know the main spot down there in southeast of Fish Steelhead, but are you finding other locations and are you having success? Yeah. Um, water. You know, you fish the water. <laughs> uh, Over you know, there by the trees. Right, that, one, that one river <laughs> down there? Success. Yeah. You know, uh, during the daylight hours and you can see, you know, and uh, usually when, when the fish are around, that's the best time to be there. So. <laughs> Well, we're, that about narrows it down, doesn't it? We, got, we have yeah. some John Lau speak here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not talking caribou um, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, it's pretty interesting because some of these, you know, these islands are, are fairly large islands, but they drain such smaller swaths of land. And so you don't have, you know, water in a lot of these creeks for very long. And it drains out really quick. So you can have salmon that come up with a steelhead that come up with a big torrential rain. And then they get to the lake, and then you can fish the river like the week afterwards, but the water's so low, the fish are all gone. Mm. You know, they, they, they swum up, and they're in the lake, and they'll be kind of just chilling there off the shelf until the next rain, and they just boogie up to where they need to go. So it can be pretty hit and miss um, as, far as, as far as getting them, but um, some, of the, some of the better rivers, you can catch a steelhead every month of the year um, in, in some mm. of them, but... Uh, uh, in the winter, water's pretty cold. It's, it's kind of tough to get them to move. So you got to really just kind of put it in front of their face. And even then, there's no guarantee they're going to hit. Uh, but once it starts to warm up a little bit, water is is, is up. Um, it's warmer. The fish will move a little bit more. It can be a lot of fun in, in March and April and in, in May to catch some steelhead. But, um, yeah, just most of the most of the salmon rivers are, are good enough for steelhead, too. And uh, you know, the, you know, the one I'm sure you're talking about up by Yakutat that's on the, uh, it's on the, everybody's radar and you get a ton of people coming up with Alaska Airlines to go there and go fish that. So that one's kind of out of the bag, but there's some other ones that are around, but, um, well, we'll get the info yeah, offline from you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, I had a buddy that, that came up and I had him book the tickets based on the way it had fished the year before. This is this has been great. Last week of March was awesome. Caught a bunch of fish, and then he came up and we caught one on the first day. And but it was just cold. The water was lower. There's a lot more snow, and nothing really started coming up for another two weeks. Um, so it can vary that much based on you know snowpack. If you have a lot of snow, and it's so much closer to the mouth, and so that it doesn't have time to kind of melt and then flow and then warm up. Um, so it can be it can pretty be pretty rough, and so he got one that first day, and he was up here for a week, and that was all he caught, which I thought kind of felt bad. He came up from California, and he's a fly fishing fanatic, and he he wanted to catch a steelhead in Alaska. That was one of his dreams, and he did, and he was like, "Oh, it's gonna be a great week," and then it just turned off. But well, like um, I tell my son, week to week, one's better than none. That's right. That's right. Man. That's right. It's fishing, not right. catching. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, we appreciate you, Jeff, coming on and uh, 
For everyone, check out the Mediocre Alaskan podcast on Apple and on Spotify as well. Uh, the Mediocre Alaskan on Instagram and the TheMediocreAlaskan.com. The book is coming out. Uh, the book is titled A Miserable Paradise, Life in Southeast Alaska by Jeff Lund. And you guys can find that on Amazon. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Jeff, and having a chat with us. And uh, hopefully here soon we can uh, talk some more mediocre on your podcast and uh, <laughs> give, give the people some more Alaska tales and mm -hmm. and keep the ball rolling. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. Great, uh, great talking to you guys. Right on. Um, good luck with the, uh, with the honeymoon and all that stuff. And definitely shoot me a message when you're going to be in Anchorage and, uh, we'll bring you by the, uh, double shovel cidery and get some ciders for you and your wife and get you guys some, uh, some, uh, more than mediocre hot dogs downtown and, uh, <laughs> bring some books and we'll get them in some of those stores and, uh, get some of these people learning about that Southeast Alaska lifestyle you're living and all the cool things you got going on down there. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate right. it a lot. And, uh, Thanks for uh, doing what you guys are doing, and good luck to you guys going forward. All right, Jeff. Thanks. Thank you, Jeff. Take care. Thanks. Later. Nice yeah. talking to you. Take care, guys. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcaution. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? Total Truck Accessory Center. Go check them out at 7700 Homer Drive. They're your one-stop shop for canopies, spray-in bed liners, LED light bars and more. Total truck. TheTreehouseAK.com Located at 341 Boniface Parkway. They're your all-in-one cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bartender today what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. Lawn Pro AK, your year-round professional property maintenance. Cutting lawns but not cutting quality. Hit them up at LawnProAK.com Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58. Handcrafted, Alaskan-made cider. They also got a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Check them out, doubleshovelcider.com. Anchortown Dogs, located across from the 4th Avenue Theater in front of the historical building. Look for the blue and gold umbrella. Get yourself a legit reindeer dog. Tailored Restoration. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams. Voted number one in the state since 1972. Water restoration, fire restoration, remodeling, cleaning, anything that you have to do with your home, inside and outside, give those guys a call or check out tailoredrestoration.com.